Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Nothing like a little afternoon sweat on a Wednesday afternoon. I have to check this time of year. I believe it is still Wednesday. Welcome into the show, Dustin Sweetelson, alongside Amal Shaw, filling in for Patrick Maher. He will be back tomorrow, but we will have a ton of fun in his absence today. Got a lot on the docket on today's program. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we'll get you a little bit of an early preview of the college football playoff and some of these other bowl games involving some Big Ten teams. Coming up here in the next few days with Jake Butt from the Big Ten Network. Of course, it is Wednesday, which means Mike Palm drops by. Little Palm versus the Prince. And, of course, have to touch on everything happening with the, all the Circa contests right now. 4.30 Eastern time, we'll be joined by Dre, Jay Gruden, former NFL head coach. And, of course, 5 p.m. Eastern, have to touch on the NBA. A lot happening on the wood. Dave DeFore, our buddy from The Athletic, checking in. And the reason why this is going to be a very brief synopsis of what's coming up on the show is because Amal and I are sweating a bet at two different numbers at this moment. We are on the same side. We are feeling really good, and I think I'm annoying Amal with how good I feel about this, and another bowl play we'll have later on today, and that would be we are both on the Hokies of Virginia Tech. I went in-game minus six and a half when they allowed a touchdown early in the first quarter. Amal laid 11 in the game, and he looks a little bit more concerned than I would like. The TVs are behind me. And I can't see what's happening. So Amal's facial expressions tell me how we're doing in the bet. Amal, how are we doing? We're doing fine. But here's the thing. I'm not going to give it away based on my facial expression. You won't be able to tell based on that. So uh, that'll be a little bit tougher read for you there. Right now, 10-7 Virginia Tech leading second quarter, 9.5 to play. Both teams with some fortuitous plays so far. Virginia Tech appeared to fumble at about the half-yard line. They let the touchdown stand. I thought he was short, and it should have been a fumble. But they didn't have a definitive angle to overturn it. And then on the flip side, um, Oh, my gosh. What's uh, happening? The quarterback just threw it, and he pulled a Marcus Mariota. He caught the tip, and I thought he was going to get the first down, but he came up half a yard short. He threw it and caught it himself. But um, 
Virginia Tech fumbled the quarterback. Drones dropped the ball. Tulane picks it up with a scoop and score. That's their one touchdown. So been an entertaining game so far here in the first half. But it looks like it's going to be tight and competitive. And I think the game is going to be right around the number. I think you're in pretty good position with your 6-6 six, six and a half there. And then, of course, we've got a couple other games going later tonight. We'll get into those. You know, well. college football bowl season is weird when you're laying over 10 points with a team that lost at Rutgers and at Marshall <laughs> this season. Like, you just know it's a, it's a weird situation. We've got plenty of more weirdness coming up when it comes to the bowl games because there is one obvious one that Amal and I are both on later today. And I think there's another game uh, on the docket that a lot of people looked at and they are just laying the points on. And I'm not sure I can get there. We'll, uh, we'll discuss that later on in the program. But first, we have to begin with the latest news out of the NFL at the quarterback position, and that's over in Denver, Amal. Russell Wilson has been benched in favor of Jared Stidham for the remainder of the season, according to Adam Schefter. Here's the thing. Wilson's guaranteed $39 million next season. However... There's an additional $37 million in 2025 that is guaranteed only in case of injury, and that would vest in March of 2024. That means if Wilson suffered a serious injury at the end of this season, that would automatically kick in and they'd be on the hook for that $37 million in 2025. By benching him, Denver has essentially said, we're going to make sure that we don't have to pay Russell Wilson and we can get out of this contract. What was your immediate reaction as they take on the Chargers this week? Numbers around three, three and a half, depending on where you look. Yeah, I mean, this came as a bit of a surprise. I, mean, I know Russell Wilson hasn't played particularly well all season long, but to make this decision at this point in time surprised me with Jared Stidham. I don't know if Jared Stidham's the proper answer for the Denver Broncos, but I think it's a look at what's going to happen going forward. Do they think he's the guy that they could potentially look at to be their quarterback, or do they have to go get somebody via the draft? And I think that's what Denver wants to determine, because they're not really going anywhere this season. You're playing for the future. You mentioned the scenario with uh, Russell Wilson. You're going to be stuck with him next year. Yes. But to me, you're going to basically put him in a situation where he's, a not, he's going to be just a guy that's on your team, but he's going to be inactive. You're not going to risk hindering your salary cap space in 2025 based on the situation with Russell Wilson right now. Well, the money only kicks in if he got hurt this year heading into this offseason. So I think next year, theoretically, he could play, but I imagine they're going to try and shop him on the market, see if they can move on from him, and see if someone else would buy low on what he is. And what is he at this moment? Because I've gone back and forth all season with him where I was really low coming into the season of all. Then throughout the year, I said, you know what? There's a little bit left there. And because of this move, it has me questioning things. I am questioning how Denver's game plans came to be what they were. I, th I think maybe there's a chance that Russell Wilson was played very conservatively this year because they did not want him to get hurt because of this clause in his contract that for some reason none of us really knew about until today. Well, no, I think it was there. I think everybody was aware of it, particularly from Russell's side and from the Denver side. I think it's just became more public because of the benching. Otherwise, now we wouldn't be having this conversation today. But more importantly, when you look at it, this is not the NBA. The NFL is not comprised of 30 idiot general managers who trade for guys like Jordan Poole who are going to kill your salary cap space. To me, it's unbelievable some of the moves you see in the NBA. You just don't see that. Look, there's a couple of quarterbacks that jump out immediately when you think about salary cap detriment to a team. Russell Wilson down in Arizona, Kyler Murray, those are two guys that jump right off the page. So I don't think it's going to be a scenario where somebody's looking to get him. Russell Wilson currently is 35 years, excuse me, 35 years old. He's going to be 36 next year, obviously. And why would you want a player at that age who's already shown a ton of regression? It doesn't really make a ton of sense from the uh, perspective of a team that would be looking to acquire him. And I don't think Denver's willing to eat most of the salary at this point in time. Well, sure. I, I just, I think there's a chance that some of the play calling was built around the fact 
that they couldn't afford for him to get hurt. They got to get through this year. But I totally agree. He's not who he used to be. I'm not sure he ever really was what the perception was. Like, he's not the guy who should be, you know, dropping back and chucking it 35, 45 times a game. He wanted to cook for all those years. And it's just not a recipe for success. I do want to point out, though, Amal, doesn't this whole situation with Russ and Denver just feel like a failure of settling in life? Like, in any aspect of your life, if you settle, in the end, there will be a divorce when it comes to, like, your love life or business or whatever it may be. They, they initially hired Nathaniel Hackett. The goal was get Aaron Rodgers to Denver like he ended up following him to New York eventually. They couldn't make the deal happen right away, so they somewhat panicked and they settled that Rus- for Russell Wilson and brought him over from Seattle, gave up a ton of, uh, of talent and draft picks back the other way to the Seahawks. It's working out for Seattle. They seem to know what they had in Russell Wilson. And when I look at this from the Denver perspective, if you just would have sat back and waited for that next quarterback or waited to do it properly through the draft, you wouldn't be stuck in this situation. Instead, they said, we have a new head coach. We have new ownership. We cannot let a year go to waste. And that just seems like a fool, a really foolhardy move when you're trying to rebuild a program from the ground up. I would agree with you there, but here's a couple of factors, and this goes back to me for Richard Seymour when the uh, New England Patriots traded him to the Raiders. If you have a player that was drafted by a team, developed, and then eventually becomes a star with that team, and they're willing to move on from him, that should tell you the player is probably not as good as you think you're getting. And another factor is you've got a quarterback. Think about this, okay? Deshaun Watson's another contract the Browns would love to get out of, but since they were stupid enough to guarantee it, they're going to be stuck with that stupidity. And you look at what the fact that the Houston Texans were willing to walk away from him. I get C.J. Stroud has turned into what appears to be a long-term franchise quarterback, but nobody was definitive on that coming in. There were some people that thought he was going to be good. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good this quickly. On the flip side, the fact that the Texans were letting him walk should tell you something. At the end of the day, even though he had the transgressions off the field, there's a part of him that wasn't good enough to lead that team. And I think that's exactly what John Schneider, Pete Carroll did in terms of the Denver Broncos. They got over on them. They saw him every day in practice. They knew exactly what he was or what he wasn't. And that's why the Denver Broncos are stuck with a lemon. And now they're basically in a situation they've got a salvage title and the dealership's not willing to take it back. Yeah, I just I think this goes to my point on settling, though. It's like you wouldn't be in this situation if you were just like, look, there's nothing available at the moment. We will get by with whoever it may be we will lose football games but losing in the end will end up getting us the player that we need in the draft or via free agency yep you're not wrong on that but here's the problem general managers have given about a basically a three to five year window usually to win and if you don't do that in that duration you're going to do everything you can if you got to steal from peter to pay paul in order to make it happen to sustain your job you're going to do it and that's the issue here right they didn't have a quarterback yeah. in denver they didn't try to go through the draft to me they would have been better served trying to trade with a team like the bears move up maybe get a bryce young cj stroud whomever it may be and then take your chances now you're killing your salary cap with an experienced guy at 35 years old and a team that's just kind of in disarray right now where do you go for the denver broncos no i don't know but I just I think you get more leniency if you do it with the youth movement, right? You go through the draft, people go, I want to see progress. It doesn't have to be wins right away. I need to see the team getting better throughout the year. And then it's like year two now, the bar just goes up a little bit higher. All right, let's contend or make the playoffs. And then so on and so on. Every year you build on it. When you go out and add a veteran, especially a veteran who's won a Super Bowl, you've now put the pressure on your clock as the leader of the franchise, as the GM, as the front office. Now all of a sudden people are going, where are the results? Where are the results? You made it so much harder on yourself, and you just didn't need to do that. I I think when you look at this game, it opened this week. 
Chargers at the Broncos. Open total of 38 with Denver laying six and a half. Since the news, it's now three, some three and a halfs and a four and a half out there on Denver still laying it against Easton Stick. Imagine buying tickets for this game in the preseason. You're like, I can't wait to watch Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson competing in the AFC West. Obviously didn't think they were going to take down Mahomes and the Chiefs, but this is a brutal watch. I don't know how anyone goes to this game. Well, I don't disagree with you there, but here's the better question I would ask. Why would anybody ever buy a ticket to an NFL game? Dude, we've, you and I have talked about this a million times. You go to the early games, you miss every other thing that's happening, and you also miss most of the late games on your way back. You go to the afternoon games, well, now you've missed the early games because you're either driving to or tailgating for your game, and then you miss some of the night game coming back. Also, you get extorted from anywhere from 200 to $400 for a ticket. Depending yeah. on the market you're in. Here's the other thing. There's a 50% chance your team's going to lose. And you really actually need a game to be competitive. Now, I get some people might like that Raiders-Chargers game where it was 63 to whatever, 21 or whatever the final score was. But to me, you actually want the game to be competitive. And you're right. I think these are the types of games where you see, like, Carolina against the Falcons. Nobody's there. By the way, quick update in uh, uh -oh. right now in Annapolis between Virginia Tech and Tulane. Kai Horton, the starting quarterback for Tulane tonight, third-string quarterback, just absolutely got destroyed. On, looks like a fracture of the leg. He is oh, being no. carted off. So Tulane is now going to have their fourth-string quarterback in the game. All right, we'll go to the more NFL here. Travis Kelsey's not happy. We'll hear from him next. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw. 
on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you looking to bet smarter? Well, then VSIN has the perfect holiday gift for you. Sign up for our holiday special today and get VSIN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st for just $79. Sign up today and get unlimited access to daily best bets, exclusive betting splits, premium analysis, and 24 7 video, plus all of our betting guides, best bets for all college bowl games, the Super Bowl, and of course, March Madness. Don't miss on the, out on this limited time holiday offer. Visit vcin.com slash subscribe to sign up on our holiday special now. That's vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to Sharp Money. It's Dustin Sweetelson and Amal Shaw. Another day. Patrick Maher will be back tomorrow. We'll get him back on the program. But we have a lot that we have to got, get, get into today. We'll have some more college football bowl analysis. Uh, the backup quarterback for Tulane is in, so I'm feeling better and better about me and Amal being on the side of Virginia Tech. He still looks very concerned, which is very concerning to me because I'm living vicariously through his face. Well, then you're in serious trouble if that's what you're living through. But uh, right now, Tulane facing a fourth down and 25 from the 33-yard line. I'm assuming they're going to send in the field goal unit here to try thing, tying things up at 10 apiece. Uh, five minutes to go in the first uh, half here down in Annapolis. All right, we'll we'll do some NBA later on the, in the show as well. I've got a few prop plays. I've been out not playing the props because I was in a state where there was no legal betting, which was – uh, good and bad. Good because I didn't lose any money while I was away. Bad because I couldn't win any money while I was away. So uh, I've got a few props because I had the itch while while I was not in Vegas for the last few days. Uh, but we have to stay in the NFL here first, Amal, because things going on with the Kansas City Chiefs, you faded them over the weekend, won a couple bets by backing the Raiders, which seemed like a spot where Kansas City should be able to figure things out but Antonio Pierce, once again, the, the, the team gets up for him. They go into Arrowhead. They end up with a win. Kansas City, they've lost three of four, and those three losses were home games. So they're not even winning at home. And I think it's very evident that things do not look right, especially on the offensive side of the football. They're clunky. There's drops. There's mistakes. Mahomes isn't making big dynamic plays like we're used to seeing. And Kelsey isn't who he used to be. I want to play a couple clips from you from Travis Kelsey, his podcast with his brother, uh, The New Heights Show. First, there was that image on Sunday of Travis Kelsey slamming his helmet while talking to Andy Reid, really frustrated. This was him talking about that moment on the sidelines. He's looking out for me. He and I love him for it. I didn't go back out there and play good. He wanted to see the fire in me, and I, I reacted in a bad way. He wanted to just get the best out of me. Um, and right now, I'm just not playing my best football, and I got to lock in and be more accountable for him, be more accountable for my teammates. I got to keep my cool, man, because um, – as a leader on this team, that's not how you uh, switch the momentum. What do you think of that, Amal? Uh, the F-bombs aside, like, I think it's a uh, – I don't know. You go, you can go either way on the F-bombs. You can think he's really frustrated and being genuine, or you think he's trying to be a tough guy with all, all, all the cursing. Yeah, I didn't think that was necessary, but regardless, uh, this team just needs to play better offensively. Look, they have played 15 games so far this year. Eight of those games, they've scored 21 points or less. I said it at length a few times yesterday, and I'm repeating myself here one more time. Think about this. Look at some of these games. Raiders, they put up 14 points. Now, they give up 14 points on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Patriots, you score 27 fine. Buffalo, you score 17 at home. Against the Packers, you manage 19. Against the Eagles at home, you manage 17 points. I mean, this team has had some issues. You referenced it. They've struggled at home. Here's the bigger issue. When you think about it, in their last three home games, they've managed to score 48 points, averaging 16 points a game. The Kansas City Chiefs aren't beating anybody in the AFC that's competent outside the Jacksonville Jaguars scoring 16 points at home. No, no. Look, and like when you look back at some of these losses, right, uh, they lost to Philly, yep. who Philly's not having a great year. They lost to Buffalo a few weeks ago. Buffalo off the bye had a little bit of a rest advantage and obviously flipping over to Joe Brady at offensive coordinator. They lost at Green Bay. Like these are, they lost at Denver earlier in the year. It's just not been the same Kansas City Chiefs we're used to seeing. Want to play one more thing here from uh, from Travis Kelsey because he went into it a little bit more chatting with his brother Jason Kelsey on their podcast, the New Heights podcast, uh, and explained that they just can't seem to find a flow on on offense and no one's really alone at fault. No. They're good defense. Just can't just can't can't catch a rhythm uh, and it's not just it's not just the Raiders it's been uh, it's been a lot of teams that we've played uh, just trying to catch a rhythm and catch stride uh, knowing that uh, knowing that we got guys that we can win with and um, it's uh, it's just a it's a frustrating experience right now and um, every single day we're going in here fixing it I promise you guys uh, and it's not just one guy I, I'm it's not just me playing like dog it's not just uh us not being able to get the run game going. It's not just us not being on the same page passing wise. It's, it's everybody's in this thing together. Everybody at some point um, isn't being accountable and we all just got to bring it together, man. Yeah. Look, I get what he's saying, but like the, the idea that they can win with this group, I actually don't agree with that at all. I, I, I don't think their outside weapons would be like, second options on a lot of Super Bowl contenders. When you look at what they're putting out there at receiver, it's a different world in the NFL at receiver these days. You can't just have one number one. You have to have two. And Travis Kelsey's getting older. He's still a receiving tight end, not really a receiver. You have to win on the outside with those speed guys, guys you can get the ball in, uh, their, into their hands and space and make plays. I'm sorry. Rasheed Rice has come on lately. He's fine. Justin Watson is whatever. MVS is a reject. Sky Moore hasn't developed. Kadarius Toney is the biggest buster in the NFL. It's not even close. I don't agree with him that they can win with these weapons. A am I being too nice on Patrick Mahomes for blaming the tools he has and not figuring out a way to win with them? No, look, the reality is you mentioned Rasheed Rice. He's got 800 yards receiving. Other than that, the second leading receiver on this team is what, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with 312 Come yards? On. You can't do that. You mentioned the dual threats. Let's start looking around the NFL. Rams, two of them. Yes. The 49ers, two guys. The Eagles, two guys. The Dolphins with two receivers. The Ravens have Zay Flowers and Obel Odell Beckham Jr. The Dallas Cowboys have two receivers. You need two receivers to be able to really help you on the perimeter. A great tight end is nice, but if you want to be elite, you need that second guy. Jordan Addison has stepped up in Minnesota in a similar fashion. You need that second receiver if you're going to be a great football team. And while Rasheed Rice is nice, every one of these teams I referenced, they've all got a number one that's better than him. Yes. And a lot of them have a number two that's better uh, than him. Exactly. Yeah, they all have a number two that's better than him. And then it's just when you look at the roster construction, I think so much was relied upon. Andy Reid will always figure it out. Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent with a massive arm. He'll figure it out. And they're not. I don't think it's an indictment on either one of them, but 
I, I, when I look at the Chiefs, this is normally like a situation where I want to buy low on a team, right? I want to jump in. That's my whole motive when it comes to betting a lot of futures. They're eight to one to win the Super Bowl. I have no thoughts of touching a ticket on the Chiefs because I don't trust them to come up with plays when it matters in close games. And that's the thing is when when these games are on the line late. They just still look out of sync, and they have nothing in their back pocket to just figure it out. And that concerns me because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, even in the closest of close games, they always had something in the fourth quarter where they could just figure it out. Yeah, I would agree with you. And right now, they're just not able to do that. The bigger concern, and nobody's talking about with this team because Mahomes' greatness, is that this team is really struggling. Now, Mahomes is not playing particularly well, but you end up putting a lot more pressure on himself. You know, he's got 14 interceptions on the season. Sure. Uh, that's an issue. That's a career high for him. So... When you look at it, it's the inconsistency. Last four games, five INTs versus five touchdown passes. I mean, these are all things that a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you just don't expect to see from a player of his caliber. He's just too good of a player to have this type of lull. But I'm going to tell you something. And you look at the Patriots, they had an elite defense when they won with Tom Brady. Yep. But they did him a disservice for years when they didn't give him elite players uh -oh. on the perimeter. But think about this. The one year they gave him Randy Moss, they have arguably the greatest offense in the history yes. of the National Football League, right? If you gave Patrick Mahomes an A.J. Brown, a Debo Samuel, a Justin Jefferson. Well, he had Tyreek Hill. And he put up monster numbers every year. You know, they didn't want to pay Tyreek Hill. And by the way, Tyreek Hill has helped get Tua paid. He's going to get Mike McDaniel potentially coach of the year if they win on Sunday. I mean, there are so many people that are benefiting from Tyreek Hill. And now the people in Kansas City are suffering because there is no Tyreek Hill there. Yeah, I, I mean... Look, they're obviously going to make it a point of emphasis to add wide receivers in the offseason. Weird that they had one. They let him go for what they did. When you look at the AFC West, though, Amal, because Kansas City's as down as they are, boy, does it highlight some of the other failures in this division. The Chargers not being able to capitalize on a year where they're down and just being awful, having to fire Brandon Staley. Justin Herbert still not taking the next step in his career. Denver, we discussed it in the first segment of the show, how bad they've been. Somehow it's the, the Las Vegas Raiders tied with Denver right now at seven and eight, but they're in second place right behind Kansas City. This was an opportunity specifically for the Chargers, I think, to step up in a year where the Chiefs were down and it just highlights how bad that organization is to not capitalize on this. Yeah, I would agree with you. Injuries have always been a problem for the Chargers throughout. We saw it this year again, Justin Herbert getting hurt, Bosa, Keenan Allen. Mike Williams. I mean, it's always constantly injuries with that team, but missed opportunities when you look at it from an AFC West perspective. You know, the Chiefs sitting at 9-6. and six. Think about this. The Browns on a fourth-string quarterback have a better record than the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Wow. <laughs> with Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> All right, when we return, we'll get into some of the college bowl games. We'll look at the teams from the Big Ten, of course. Preview the college football playoff. Jake Bet Butt, Big Ten Network, joins us on the other side. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly, be 21. Welcome back. It's Sharp Money on VSIN, the sports betting network. I'm Dustin Sweetelson. That's Amal Shaw. And we're going to welcome in the first guest of the day here on this Wednesday afternoon. You know him from the Big Ten Network. You also know his acclaimed college career as a Michigan man, an All-American Mackey Award winner. Welcoming in Jake Butt to the program once again, our buddy Jake. 
Jake, how you doing, man? Happy holidays. Hope everything's great with you and the family. The the first thing I want to ask about ask you is about a TikTok of yours I've, I saw not too long ago. Uh, it's JakeButt underscore 88 on TikTok. With the college bowl season here, Jake, your name is brought up a lot with your big, your devastating injury playing in the bowl game and it impacting your NFL status for the draft. And I, you had a very interesting TikTok explaining your feelings. So instead of other people talking about your injury, can you take us back to you playing in the bowl game, everything went down, and how you look back on that moment? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, 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 so I got hurt in that bowl game, and I think a lot of people say, you know, point to that injury and say, hey, man, this is why you should never play in the bowl game. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I, I don't regret my decision. I wouldn't change my decision. I had my reasons. And, and the, one of the reasons was I was voted captain by my teammates. And I felt the need to play in that bowl game because they, you know, elected me as their leader. And I would never change that. But I do say that there's a cost to it. I think most people don't understand the full spectrum. So I'll kind of lay it out for you. Of course, you know, for me, I was projected per my insurance policy as like a second round pick, like an early second round pick. When I got injured, I slipped to the first pick in the fifth round. So that was about a $4 million difference in terms of contract value. Um, but it doesn't stop there. So not only is it, is it that different. So when you go to the NFL and you're injured outside of your NFL team's facilities, you get put on NFI, meaning non-football injury, which is a different distinction than IR, which is what you commonly hear, injured reserve. And when you're on NFI, what that means is you make split salary. So my salary, my first, all, all the years I was injured was cut by about over $100,000. So over the course of my contract, it was, you know, a significant amount. You also are, the, the NFL teams don't have to pay you. So when I got injured, like the Broncos technically did not have to pay me because I was injured outside of the NFL. You also, you don't get any benefits. So I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have dental. Um, I didn't get a year of, I didn't get accredited season, which affects my pension, my retirement. I didn't get a 401k match or anything. So the total cost of the injury goes far beyond just the contract value. All the secondary ripple effects, I mean, that, that probably had an effect of close to half a million bucks in and of itself. So um, I say that, again, I wouldn't change my decision. But I think guys need to be fully informed about the potential cost of this, uh, of what can happen. It's not just dropping in the draft. Jake, that's one of the best breakdowns I've ever heard in terms of the injury. Respect your decision as to why you chose to play. Can you expand for people that are unfamiliar? They hear about the insurance policy. Now, are those things that generally only pay off if you choose never to return to football? No. So you, the, there's two different. You have loss of value insurance, which means like if you slip in the draft and it's proven beyond shadow of a doubt that you dropped because of injury then you'll collect on your loss of value. You guys also have that for like future contracts. So you can have insurance to say, if you get injured when you're a free agent and you get less money, uh, you know, they'll pay that out. Then you have total and permanent disability. Meaning if you get injured where you can never play again, that's a step. Those are separate insurance policies. So I paid, uh, paid whatever it was for the loss of value. And I paid a different sum for the total and permanent disability. Um, the trick you, in order to collect on the loss of value, it has to be proven that you dropped solely because of your injury. And that's where it gets dicey. Like, not, not everybody collects on it. The other trick is, is so insurance policies are not taxed. 
Um, so what happened is, is they took, they had me slotted. They have like a whole, the insurance companies, like they have their own scout department. So they scout and say, we think you'd be blank pick in the draft. For me, they said, if you would, if I would have left after my junior season, they said I would have been the 35th pick in the draft. That equated to about a $6.5 million contract. Well, because it's not taxed, and we're taxed about 50%, they cut that contract value in half, so about $3.2 million. From there, you get paid the difference on your, to- your gross total contract value. So for me, I signed a $2.7 million deal. 3.2 to 2.7 is a half a million dollar difference. I was paid a little bit less than that uh, to make up for it. So, um, but it, you know, if I had been injured, if I had been slightly injured and I couldn't perform at the combine and I dropped, they, that wouldn't have paid. I I was paid because clearly tearing my ACL in that bowl game affected my draft value, and they owed me money for that. But there's a lot of guys that get loss of value insurance, and I don't know that they should get it. Uh, because, you know, they probably never had a chance to collect anyways. So um, there's a lot of layers that go into this, as is to be expected with insurance, right? Thank you for your complete transparency. Yeah, no, Jake, that was yeah. the most detailed of how this whole process shakes out. And I think for a lot of our listeners, now they kind of understand what goes into, into this decision, why some players opt out or, or, or you know, continue to play. Do want to get some, uh, some field analysis from you, though, while we got you? Because uh, the line has not moved in Alabama and Michigan. And I think a lot of people expect Alabama to go off as a favorite, yet... Your Wolverines are still one-and-a-half-point favorites over at DraftKings. The total's 44-and-a-half. How are you feeling now as we approach a few days out of this college football playoff game? I feel understandably nervous, uh, certainly excited to watch all both games in the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be really, really – this is probably the most competitive we've had for the college football playoff since they went to the four-team model. Um, and then maybe the mo- you, you kind of hinted at it. Maybe the reason I'd be most confident is the fact that Vegas doesn't lose and Vegas knows and all the public money's on Alabama and that line isn't moving. So uh, maybe Vegas, maybe they know something that uh, the public doesn't. So uh, either way, man, this, this game is a toss up. You can convince me uh, either direction of which game, uh, which way this game's going to go. Certainly you got a lot of layers to this of, Saban versus Harbaugh, and can Harbaugh win a playoff game? You got Jalen Milrow versus J.J. McCarthy. Um, It's going to be an excellent matchup, and, you know, really as a fan of football, man, I can't wait to watch. Jake, how concerned are you about Michigan's offense averaging only 284 yards per game in their last four games? Yeah, I mean, that's you you have to take that into consideration, but you also have to take into consideration, I think the truth is, is, you know, clearly J.J. McCarthy was injured. Uh, and I think this month off, in, in theory, should do him well and he should, you know, get healthy. I think he's going to have to run the ball in this game to, to help that. Um, but, look, you know, the, the truth is, is I think Michigan's earned the right, and this is what Blake Gorham said, they've earned the right to say, hey, we're the number one team in the country. I felt that they have been the best team in college football all year long. So um, certainly you got to take it into consideration, but I will say overall, the big picture this year, Michigan's offense looks better this year than they have in any recent memory. So the challenge is, can you do it against a damn good football team in Alabama? 
Jake, who is a comparable quarterback that Michigan has faced from a mobility standpoint that will put pressure on them or did put pressure on them the way Milrow with the, will with his legs? I mean, they, they really seen anybody like Jalen Milrow. There's not too many quarterbacks that are like Jalen Milrow. I mean, Rutgers has a guy in Gavin Winsett who's more of a runner, more of a dual threat guy, but he, he can't throw the ball and he's, he's not in the, the league that Jalen Milrow is. But here's the thing is, is when you look at running quarterbacks, what, what defensive coordinators always tell you is they're so stressful because they create an extra gap and they create an extra gap to have to defend because the quarterback can run. It also forces you to make decisions when you're in passing coverage and zone coverage. Do you leave your man to come up and respect the quarterback run, or do you stay in coverage and let him run? The trick to that is, is do you have gap discipline defense? Do you play assignment sound defense? And that's, that's exactly what Michigan's defense do, does. They're veteran at every position. They're deep at every position. You know, the good thing is, is, is what you would really want to do here is you don't need to get a bunch of sacks. Your edge rushers need to be very disciplined and just rush off the outside shoulder of the tackle and keep him in the pocket because the strength of Michigan's defense is the interior of their defensive line. So if those edge rushers could almost just hold the pocket, the interior guys are going to push it back into Jalen Milrow's lap. I think that's got to be the game plan here. Um, and, the, and also, Michigan plays zone coverage, so you hear this thing called zone eyes. When you're in man coverage as a defensive back, your eyes are on the man you're covering. When you're in zone coverage, you're dropped into your zone and you have your eyes on the quarterback. That usually benefits teams when they're trying to stop quarterback runs. You know, being in, in offensive meetings, what offensive coordinators and play callers would always say, when you're playing two-man, even to non-mobile quarterbacks, they tell you, don't be afraid to tuck it and run. So yep. Michigan's defense is, is built to be able to handle this, so certainly it won't be. All right, five seconds prediction. Michigan wins. I got Michigan in a tight one, man. They need to force a turnover. That'll be the difference in this game. <laughs> That's Jake Butt. You see him on the Big Ten Network. We appreciate you joining us, Jake. When we come back, got to play some NFL sound for you from Jerry Jones. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening.
is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code SHARP. That's only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. It's Sharp Money on Visa in the Sports Betting Network. Dustin Sweetelson alongside Amal Shaw taking you through this Wednesday afternoon day of action. We've got a bowl game in progress. We've got three more later tonight. We'll preview all of them. Plus, we'll look at some things going on in the hardwood on the hardwood with Dave Dufour from The Athletic. In about, I don't know, what's it, 45 minutes from now, Jay Gruden will check in. Have to ask him a lot of questions. Really want to get inside his brain about the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy. And I think with the MVP market shifting the way it did the other night, Amal, and people calling him a system quarterback and all this, I want to ask a coach, are they all system quarterbacks? Is Brock Purdy a system quarterback? Like, what is his, how does he look at that situation, what Purdy's doing? Because as someone who faded Purdy in the MVP market, and I remember I bet McCaffrey 35-1 to 1 a couple weeks ago, thinking this Ravens game could be a spot where he would struggle. I didn't expect four interceptions. I thought maybe like one or two. Uh... I was trying to get ahead of that movement, but I now think that the slander is going too hard the other way on Brock Purdy. Well, I tend to agree with you, but here's the problem. Look, this was the second most watched Monday Night Football game since 1996. You had a national audience on Christmas Day in a game with the two best records in the teams with the two best records in the National Football League, and Purdy has arguably the worst performance of his career. Four interceptions. And you know, one of the things I've seen on social, people are like, oh, it's not his fault. Well, when the defender is draped over the receiver, you throw in the pass is your fault. Yeah, okay, that, that's the play. Listen, give Kyle Hamilton a ton of credit on that one pick. He's on the ground, gets up. Marlon Humphrey, I think it was, had a hand in there on the play. I don't know who was on Kittle. Yeah. But regardless, you see Hamilton make the play. Then the bad touchdown pass early on in the game. Hamilton made another great play there. Marlon Humphrey with the pick around midfield. The best play Brock Purdy had that night was saving the tackle on, on excuse me, on Marlon yeah. Humphrey from a touchdown. But look, Lamar's going to win this award, and here's how I would look at it. If you have Lamar Jackson to win the MVP, if you want to hedge and protect yourself, I would bet the Miami Dolphins' money line on Sunday against the Ravens. If they win that game, then I think Tua uh, rises in the conversation. I think it comes down to three players right now. Tua, CMC, and Lamar Jackson. I don't think Brock Purdy can win it. Brock Purdy played his worst game in the biggest game of the season. CMC still went over 100 yards, I think, on 14 carries. So for me right now, it is Lamar Jackson to lose. And another thing to remember, if the Ravens win this game, Lamar will not play against Baltimore. They will have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And even though they have a bye, there's no reason to test your superstar against a division opponent. Especially not him, right, who's so vital to the success. Everything revolves around his style of play. So it was about two weeks ago where I made the case against Purdy why I bet McCaffrey 35-1. to I have Lamar Jackson 13 to 1 preseason. Uh, I I do th- I don't feel safe though. That's the thing is, Amal. I look at this market, the way it's fluctuated, and I don't feel good about my position, even though I have the two favorites, 13 to 1 on Lamar, 35 to 1 on McCaffrey. I do think I need to get down on someone else to to kind of shore things up. I don't think Purdy can win it anymore. I think his name has kind of been marked and, and everyone saw what he did also. Part of the reason why I bet it was he was so bad in those three consecutive losses for them. He didn't elevate when other people were out. I thought that was the opportunity to be the MVP. 
the question is, can Josh Allen or Dak Prescott get back into this? Because I also have Tyreek Hill at 25 to 1. Yeah, look, I don't think Ty Tyreek Hill can get back Agreed. into a Josh Allen. It would take a long shot for me. I think the beginning of the season wasn't particularly strong. Their performance against the Dallas Cowboys, their most complete football game of the season, it was James Cook who delivered yep. the goods for them in that game. I Remember, Josh Allen threw for less than 100 yards in that one. When you think about most valuable player from a team perspective or just as an individual talent, Lamar Jackson, uh, both apply to him. And the other thing is when you look at this betting market, remember, this is completely arbitrary. It's voted on. There's nothing like when you look at a team in college basketball and Purdue may have started the season at 15 to one. They're down to nine or 10 to one to win the national title because they're playing well. There's nothing here to justify who you like in the coach of the year, MVP. It's all arbitrary. So how you view it has a lot to do with how you think the viewers are going to vote. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, excuse me, the, I, I, the voters yeah. are going to cast. I, I think your, your point on Lamar is interesting because while I have 13 to one, I, I, I don't think he's had an MVP year, but he here's the case I'll make. It, and maybe we'll ask Jay Gruden about this at 4.30 Eastern. Like, maybe there's a chance Lamar's numbers don't indicate how well he's playing. You factor in he lost J.K. Dobbins, his number one running yep. back. He lost Mark Andrews, his number one target. Like, a lot has gone against them injury-wise there, and they just keep finding a way. They're right now the number one seed in the AFC. They keep plugging along. He's not making mistakes. They're, they've had some weird down moments this year, I will say that. But overall, I understand why he's the favorite today. I just, again, I just, I don't feel like I'm in a good spot where, like, it's locked up for him to be minus $1.70. Well, I think one of the things is right now, if you've got division bets, if you've got other bets, there's opportunities to be able to hedge off based on the situation. Sure. For example, if you've got the Buccaneers to win the division, you I can do. take a look at the Saints or you can take a look at Atlanta to win it. If you like the Saints to potentially win it, I would bet the Saints money line this week against yep. Tampa. Remember, if they lose this game, the division is pretty much wrapped up, uh, at least in terms of yeah. the Saints being competitive. They would need... Uh, I think they hold the tiebreaker against Atlanta as oh, well. Oh, we've reached the point in the year where all the playoff scenarios make my brain spin. Well, you got to look at them when you're looking no, from a I betting know. standpoint. It's very important. Look, in the NFC, to me, I, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I don't play Dak Prescott or uh, C.D. No. Lamb in these last two games. This game, what are the odds that the Giants lose to the, uh, excuse me, the Eagles lose to the Giants in the final week of the regular season. Maybe, probably not. Tyrod Taylor played better, but Philly had that mistake on the kickoff in the second half. They were self-inflicted. I didn't like their decision-making in the game. You know, Jalen Hurts makes that bad decision and gets bailed out by the delay of game by the Giants at the end of the first half. So all kinds of things are factors here. No, I, I, yeah, I, look, I'll say it again. I probably said it five times a segment. I don't feel good where I'm at, and I have the two favorites in the MVP market. There's just nobody really jumping out. And I really would like to see them give it to someone other than a quarterback because I do think McCaffrey's had an MVP-worthy season, especially considering the position and what he does for that team. And I, I've got another random one aside from Tyreek Hill. I've got Miles Garrett 300 to 1, and that's shortened up. I see some books have him at 150 to 1. He can't win, but, like, let's think outside the box this year because we just give it to the best quarterback on the best team. That just feels super lazy to me, and I think that happens often with, like, the Heisman Trophy. It's the best player on the best team or the best quarterback of the best team, and I just think that's a lazy way of making an argument for who's the most valuable player. I don't, I don't disagree with any of your argument. If you really look at the top seven or eight just from a betting standpoint, none of these guys are really justified in winning the MVP. In 1987, John Elway won the MVP. Reggie White had 21 sacks in 12 games. Uh, what, 1986, I think, was the year where LT won it. It's the only time a defensive player has won MVP. I don't think Miles Garrett is no. even going to have a shot because he's not even the favorite to win the defensive player of the year, which makes zero sense to me. But look, 
these betting markets, you've got to find the long shot. You know I had Linus Olmark to win the Vezina yeah. last year. They didn't adjust the odds long enough. But again, that's easier to gauge because you're looking at the stats on players and how they're doing. In this one, you're looking statistics, but Lamar Jackson is not even half as good as he was in his MVP no, season no, in 2019. No, no, no. Right? I think that year he had 36 or 37 touchdowns and six INTs. Well, maybe that's part of the problem. We're judging Lamar against his own accomplishments instead it's, of the vacuum that is 2023. You look at his numbers this year. They're not no, great. It's not and, sexy. He's but not I mean, having a sexy year. Here's, here's the thing. McCaffrey's outstanding, but you said they're not going to give it to a running back. Two has done a nice job, but he hasn't played as well without Tyreek Hill in the lineup. Brock Purdy, there's 12 quarterbacks you could put in San Francisco, and they would have the same efficiency. Yeah, I, I think I think Brock Purdy could still be in the mix if it wasn't four interceptions on Christmas. If it was two, I think he still has a chance to be in the mix. Four was just a complete meltdown. But, but the him. problem is, what was the final score in that game? 33 to 19 that or something to that? Right. I, I, I was around there. 33-19. Yeah, they were dominated, and they never had a chance, right? They get a late garbage score. So they scored 12 points. And also, Darnold looked good in his one drive. In well, one of know, his drives, I moving mean, the did ball Did Darnold also have a pick as well? He did. He but, did. But to me, the thing is, Purdy didn't get this team going in the second half. Sure. You're down 13-12, I think, at the break. They've got to put some, or it might have been 16-12. Uh, I don't remember the exact score, sure. but they've got to put some things together. And that that's the knock right now. Look, more importantly, if you're the Niners, You've got to win your final two games, and you've got a tough game to close out against the Rams. I can tell you right now, when you look at the playoffs and the teams that are going to be in there, whether it's Seattle or whoever the other team is as the wild card, we know it's going to be Dallas and the Rams as two of the wild card teams. Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback in the NFC in the postseason. Oh, the NFC is it. We'll get into it maybe a little bit later today because I think the NFC, NFC is really hard to figure out, and we could see some weird things in the playoffs because of what you just said. I, I do not want to see Sean McVay with my season on the line, win or go home. Well, it's, I'm more of, forget Sean McVay. Sean McVay's not going to make any tackles and he's not going to complete any passes. I don't want to see a Super Bowl winning quarterback who's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but I mean, McVay plays a role in that. I'm not, I'm not just dialing that. things up. But, but listen, when you think about it, Kyle Shanahan, he's as good of a coach as there is. Sure. Sean McVay, he, I, I like Nick Sirianni. Look, there's good coaches out there. That's not the problem. The question is can Jared Goff deliver? Can Dak Prescott deliver? Jalen Hurts has been highly inconsistent. Look, to me, Jalen Hurts is starting to look like the guy I thought he was coming out of Oklahoma. And I thought, Maybe last year was more of an aberration than what we're seeing currently. No, Shane Steichen's looking like an offensive genius is yeah, what's exactly. happening right now. That's the problem in Philly. All right, when we return, Mike Palm makes his return. We'll get an update of what's happening with Circus Survivor and Millions. That's next on Sharp Money. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.